turn me this morning to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3, we're going to look at verse 14 through verse 22. And we're going to talk about the dangers of being lukewarm. The dangers of being lukewarm. How many of y'all can testify yesterday it was not lukewarm outside though, right? Not even close. Wasn't lukewarm inside with AC, AC going on, hardly was it? It has been hot, I'm telling you. It is summertime with 100% guarantee there, right? The dangers of being lukewarm. Revelations chapter 3, verse 14 through verse 22. Scripture says, The angel of the church in Laodicea write, The Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God says this, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich and I have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich, and white garments so that you may clothe yourself, and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed, and I salve to anoint your eyes that you may see. Those whom I love I reprove in discipline. Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Lord Jesus, we come to you. And Father God, I just pray you'd speak to our hearts this morning, Lord. We've been blessed by... Lord, just worship this morning, being able to sing praises to you, to exalt your name, to glorify you through song. And Lord, we know, God, uh, we have a precious promise that you have inhabited, Lord, those praises of your people. We thank you for that. What a joy that's been. And now, God, we just pray that you just open your word up to us. You'd open our hearts, our minds, and our ears to receive it. And Father God, you would give us, Lord God, the ability to respond in obedience today to whatever you speak to our hearts. Whether we, Lord God, need salvation today, or just as a child of God, we need repentance and cleansing and restoration. Your great mercy, your kindness to just shed upon us, Lord, whatever the need is. I just pray today, God, we move in obedience to be able to receive that today. And once again, Lord, not out of routine not I'm just saying it to be saying it, but God, we demand right now any spirit of the Holy Spirit be gone. And Lord God, we just invite precious Holy Spirit to continue to work through us. And Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we think about today being lukewarm. Of course, this is without a doubt the, the most common passage of Scripture. We think about the Christian, the believer, being lukewarm, being someone who is just truly not totally sold out to the Lord. Maybe one thing I like to describe it is having one foot in the world, one foot in the church, as we might say, someone lukewarm. But I did bring you a little bit of a Greg Dunn slash Webster's definition of the word lukewarm this morning. So here we go. Lukewarm is in a sense to be half-hearted, uh, lacking conviction or enthusiasm, indifferent of uh, or other things or other people taking priority over to the Lord, over the Lord, and Him not being one hundred percent what you focus on and live for. To be lukewarm, and I want to say this this morning. I believe this is probably one of the most dangerous places for a Christian to be lukewarm. 
One of the most dangerous places, the most vulnerable places. In fact, this is where the enemy can work the hardest in your life when you and I as Christians choose to be spiritually lukewarm, not exactly where we're supposed to be spiritually. Amen? So this morning as we think about the dangers of lukewarm, being lukewarm, I want to share just several points this morning that, that will expose this danger and help us understand the importance of not being lukewarm spiritually. Number one, the first danger of being lukewarm is that we don't realize it until it's almost too late. We don't realize we're lukewarm until we're almost totally cold spiritually, almost totally sound asleep, if you will. Listen to what he says in verse 17. Because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. In other words, listen, the Lord Jesus quotes them as saying they are wealthy and they don't need anything. In other words, they thought they were okay. The Lord testifies or to their shame speaks of the fact that they were lukewarm, that they were neither hot nor cold, but yet they thought they were okay. How many of y'all know today that the devil is no doubt very, very good at deceiving us, isn't he? And at making us think that we're okay. I'll never forget years ago when I first began to try, and some of you hunters are going to like this, uh, the outdoors was kind of that mission field, man. I just saw that as an opportunity to go out and, and men and even women that would never darken the door of a church would show up at a deer camp. In fact, they'll go fast to a deer camp, right? And I'll never forget this particular young man in our community. And man, he had just gone through a divorce. Uh, man, just all kinds of stuff. His life was falling apart. And I mean, it was just like, man, it was just t sad to watch. Young man, beautiful wife, beautiful daughter, loses it all. And man, I just found out like, man, he loved a deer hunt. I was like, there we go. So I began to reach out to him, got him committed to come to the deer camp with me. We'd go to the deer camp, we'd go hunt. He's on my stand for five minutes. Listen, I walk him into a bow stand, and by the time I get to my stand, he texts me already and says, I killed a good eight point. And I'm like, he's joking. Sends a picture. I'm like, all right, God, this is all you, right? We get to Applebee's in Eldorado, Arkansas. We sit down. I begin to just kind of share my testimony, and I move to this place, and I'm like, listen, before we pray over the food, is there anything I can pray for you for? Mindful of this, man. This is just weeks after his divorce. Life has fallen apart. He looks at me confidently with a smile, and I believe he believed it. He said, no, I mean, I'm good. Everything's okay. My life is great right now. And I'm like, he thinks he's okay. But isn't that how Satan works? Man, we don't realize it until we're almost totally cold. Something else that reminds me of, if you've ever been on a beach and, man, you get out there, you, you jump on a raft and, and man, you, you're out there relaxing and you're out there, you know, the waves are moving you back and forth. You may be with some friends, family, children. You're laughing and, and just kind of cutting up and one minute adds to another minute. And the next thing you know, where are you? Way out there, away from the shore, uh, the, the beach line, right? Before you ever realize it. And it's the same way spiritually. When we are lukewarm, walking in the lukewarm state, not being on fire for the Lord, the danger is we won't realize it until we're just totally cold or sound asleep spiritually. Second of all this morning, another danger of being lukewarm is the fact that we leave God out of our life. We leave God out of our life. Listen to what it says here in verse 20. It says, Behold, I stand at the door. This is Jesus speaking to the church. He says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. 
Jesus is supposed to be where? Inside the church, amen? He's not supposed to be knocking on the door. He's supposed to be 100% inside the church and the same as for us as individuals, as believers. He's supposed to be on the throne of our heart. He's supposed to be in charge. He's supposed to be a part of every decision, everything about our life. But yet often when we end up in a lukewarm state spiritually, He's no longer in charge. In fact, we leave Him out of our life. We leave Him out of our plans. In fact, today it would do us good if we would just admit today there's a lot of things in our life that we say God is leading us to do that He's not leading us to do. In fact, He's not even a part of it, is He? Often we say that. Well, you know, I feel God's leading me to do this or leading me to do that. And often it's just an exposure of where our heart is that we're lukewarm and God's not leading us to do anything. In fact, we left Him out of our life a long time ago, out of our decisions and, and where we're going and what we're doing. I love what James says here, James chapter 4. Listen to what James says here in verse 13 in chapter 4. It says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. And here's that well-known passage, verse 14. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You're just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this. Are that. Now we have got to make certain that we won't slip into this spiritual slumber of being lukewarm to where we just leave God out of our plans and leave God out of our life. That we say, if the Lord wills, amen, I'll do this or that. Everything about my life, every decision, every path I take, I need to make certain that He's 100% the one who's calling the shots, directing the path, amen? I know years ago, Man, I'm telling you, I was a youth pastor, um, and I was bivocational at the time, which for any of y'all that don't know what that is, that's just hard. It's hard. It's difficult. And I was serving and everything else, and I had this church in Blue Springs, Missouri. They had contacted me, and they were looking for a youth pastor, and they wanted me and my wife to fly down, and they wanted us to come and interview, and, and uh, just through so many different steps, man, they just really, you know, felt like we were supposed to be their youth pastor, and this was our just big, big church. It was full-time. They ran like 400-something just students. Had a big youth center, everything else, and I'm like, man, this is God's will. This is so awesome, you know. This is, this is Him. And I remember flying down there, I go and we lead the youth service that Wednesday night. We meet with the committee again. They go take us out to eat and everything else. And the whole time I remember, man, the Lord just continued to just kind of let me feel that He wasn't in this. It wasn't Him. Man, He just kept on. There was no peace. It was just kind of this inner turmoil. We finally get back to the motel room. And my wife and I had not even been able to communicate at all. We get back and I'm telling you, I'm almost depressed because I'm kind of grieving. I'm thinking, you know, man, I'm missing this. God, I can't go here, you know. And I remember thinking, well, no, this has got to be God. This is too good. And I'll never forget sitting on the motel bed on the side of the bed and the Lord saying, you come here all you want to, but you'll leave me out of your life. I'm not going with you. And I was like, whoa, what? But isn't that so true? Our life, no matter how good something might look, no matter what, we need to make certain that we leave God 100% in charge of every decision, that we not leave Him out of our plans, out of our life, because when we live in these spiritual states of slumber and lukewarmness, we leave Him out of our plans, don't we? And then next this morning, another danger of being lukewarm, when you and I choose to 
fall into a spiritual slumber, we become blind spiritually, don't we? We become blind. He mentions it in two places. Verse 17, first he says, Because you say I'm rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor, and he says, and blind... He's talking about spiritual here, not physical blindness, but blind spiritually and naked. And then in verse 18, he says, I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. And listen to what he says here. And I salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. They were spiritually blind in this spiritual state they were in. They couldn't see the forest for the trees, if you will. They were spiritually blind. And man, I don't know if we've ever been in a place where the church is more spiritually blind right now. Where the church is so spiritual blind that they can't see right from wrong. You've got men stepping up in pulpits speaking not against sin, but promoting sin because they're so spiritually blind. And I'd love to sit back and be like, man, what in the world is going on? It's so pathetic. I would never be that way. I would never do that. But you know what? It's in our lives too, isn't it? All too often we end up spiritually blind as we allow ourselves to slip into a spiritual place of slumber, don't we? But as I think about becoming spiritually blind, I want to mention three different things this morning. Number one, often... We allow spiritual blindness to come in and we don't realize the spiritual state that we're in, do we? I mentioned this first of all a while ago. We don't realize it until it's too late. But often when we allow this spiritual blindness to come in, we don't realize where we're at. We're just kind of in a fog, aren't we? But not only that, we allow pride to set in. Notice what he says. It says, you, you say you have need of nothing. Isn't that total pride? Spiritual blindness brings pride in our life, doesn't it? We don't need God. We don't need anything. We're good, right? But also when we become spiritually blind, we have blurred vision often, don't we? Uh, you know, I, I'm finding this out on the physical side now. I'm 46 years old. I know I don't look it. I know I look 30, and I appreciate that. I really do. It's encouraging. But yesterday, yesterday I was sitting on the couch visiting with folks at the house, and there's a rug under the coffee table, and I look down, and I'm like, well, there's a piece of glass. And so, you know, I've got a five-year-old. I pick it up, and I'm like, why did he break? And then I ask him, did you break something on the coffee table? And a lot of times he'll sit there with the iPad, eat, and watch, you know, something on there. And so I'm like, did you break something? No, sir. Well, then I ask my wife. And you know what she says? Nobody broke anything, any glass I'm aware of, but that in your hand's a staple. I was like, I look, and it was a staple. I'm like... And I promise you, before she said that, I would have bet my life. Not that I'm willing to gamble with my life, but I'm telling you, I would have guaranteed you it was a piece of glass. I even touched the end of it because the staple was bent on one side a little more and it looked just like a slither of glass. I was like, man, that thing's sharp. (laughs) But I couldn't see it. It was a staple. But isn't that so true of our life spiritually too? Man, we'll look at something, we'll be like, boy, that's God, that's... That's spiritual right there. That's good. And the whole time, it's not even what we think it is because we're so spiritually blind, blurred vision, right? That happens when we become lukewarm and we allow ourselves to fall into the spiritual states of slumber, don't we? And then next of all this morning, when we choose to be lukewarm spiritually, we also practice idolatry, don't we? Back to verse 17. Do you see the idolatry that's there as the Lord 
speaks quoting them. He says, because you say, I am rich, I become wealthy, I have need of nothing. Is that not the sad words of someone living in idolatry? What is idolatry? Putting anything or anyone above the Lord. And they said, as the Lord quotes them, I am rich, I am wealthy, I don't need anything. That's idolatry, isn't it? And listen, when we choose to walk in a spiritual state of slumber, when we allow ourselves to be lukewarm spiritually, we are letting someone or something take the place of God in our life, no matter how we look at it. Man, when I let someone or something bring joy to my life other than the Lord, right, let me clarify that. When, when I, I don't let it go through the Lord, because listen, our families, man, life itself, God gives us all kinds of stuff to richly enjoy, as He told Timothy, but it's through Him, amen? He's got to be number one. Every relationship, every possession, every accomplishment, every purpose in life has got to go through Him. If it doesn't go through our relationship with Him and Him being number one in our life, it's nothing but idolatry, isn't it? They had said, we are rich, wealthy, we don't need anything. And they allowed idolatry to take over, didn't they? Next this morning, I only got just a couple more places here. When we allow ourselves to be lukewarm and spiritually slumber, we walk right out of God's will, don't we? We walk right out of God's will. Anytime I choose to just kind of get lazy spiritually, to get comfortable, to grow lukewarm, I personally am walking right out of God's will. I'm abandoning His will for my life. Even if it's just a little bit, I'm choosing to miss out on God's will for my life. And man, I can't tell you, man, as, as a pastor especially, I can't tell you the times where I've sat and I've counseled with people. And, and at times, people would even confess, I know that I shouldn't be doing this. I know that I should do this, but yet still walk right out of the will of God. That's just how stubborn our flesh is, isn't it? And when we allow ourselves to become spiritually lukewarm, there's a great danger that we'll walk right out of God's will. And there's a whole other sermon here, but I'm telling you this, when we walk out of God's will... Man, I'm tell we are, as I said a while ago, we are in a vulnerable, vulnerable place. And the enemy loves it. And he knows he can get a lot done when a child of God is out of the will of God. He can get so much more done, can he? So when we choose to be spiritually lukewarm, we walk right out of God's will. And the next this morning, and this one right here hurt a little bit. When I wrote this down, the Lord told me this, man, I was like, whoa, that's, that's tough. But when we choose to be spiritually lukewarm, we also look like a lost person, don't we? Think about it. The Bible says, let them see your good deeds so that they might glorify your Father who is in heaven. And when we choose to be spiritually lukewarm and not look like Jesus, who do we look like? We look like the world. We look like the enemy. In fact, I want to tell you today, you want to know why we're not experiencing a great revival across this land right now? It's because too much of the church looks like the world, amen? We're so lukewarm and so spiritually asleep that the world looks at us and there's no difference and they are not drawn to us at all because our life looks just like their life. We look just like them. We look just like a lost person. 
And, and I think all too often we get so comfortable and so lukewarm, we're just satisfied with, I know I'm saved, I know I'm going to heaven, what else matters? There's a whole bunch that matters. There's a lot more souls out there that need to be reached, and our lives can't reach them if we don't look like Jesus, amen? And act like Jesus, and love like Jesus, and walk like Jesus. And when we are spiritually lukewarm, we look like a lost person. And the world is deceived. And the world has moved just even much, that much closer to ultimately going to hell because of our choosing to be spiritually lukewarm. And then in closing this morning, another great danger of being spiritually lukewarm is that we will become the recipients of God's chastisement. Listen to what he says here in verse 16 and verse 19. Now, I don't totally understand verse 16. I just know it's not good. He says, So because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor, hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Now, there's a lot of folks that will try to tell you, well, they, they lost their salvation or this or that. Well, I'm telling you today, if you're a child of God, He gave you eternal life, not temporary life and not life until you sin a certain amount of time. If you are truly ch a child of God, you've been born again, you know that He is the Lord of your life. He is truly the Lord. That doesn't mean that. Amen? Praise God that I am a, in a, as we might say, a double grip of grace. The Bible tells me in John, I think it's John chapter 10, says no one can pluck them out of my hand, neither can they pluck them out of my Father's hand, who's greater than all. Well, guess what? Greg Dunn is included in greater than all. I don't have the power to take myself away from the Lord. Amen? Praise God. Because if I did have the power, or the devil had the power, guess what? It's happening. I'm going to lose it. So that's not what it means, but I know it's not good. It's kind of like when I was growing up, man, I'm telling you, I had a mom and daddy who believed in whipping and spanking. Spanking, I just, that sounds too, too easy. It was whipping, beating, maybe, I don't know. But I'm telling you, I'll never forget, I always hear this right here. My mom was good at this. I'd be in trouble. I'd be like, Mama, I never do it again. I won't ever do that again. She, I know you won't. Just meet me in the last bedroom on the right. And I knew that it wasn't good. I didn't know if that meant one lick. I didn't know if that meant two licks. I just knew it wasn't good. Amen? And so, listen, I don't know what this means, but I know it ain't good. You meeting him in the last bedroom on the right. Amen? And notice what it says here in verse 19. He says, Those whom I love... I reprove and discipline, therefore be zealous and repent. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, therefore be zealous and repent. If we choose to walk in a spiritual state of slumber, to be lukewarm, we will become the recipients of God's discipline. So it's going to happen. I don't understand God's grace and His kindness. There's sometimes I... Man, I, I, I get to a place of spiritual laziness or something, and I'm like, God, why don't you just take me out right now? I don't understand, God. And man, His grace is so beautiful, and He kindly, just lovingly, man, bring me through a place of repentance. And sometimes, man, man I can mess up, and it's just like, boom! He's all over me, amen? Because I'm His child, and He loves me. And when I walk in spiritual lukewarmness, He's going to discipline me. So today, listen... If you're a child of God and you choose to be spiritually lukewarm and not be on fire for the Lord as He calls us to, you're going to be chastised. It's Chris Tomlin's song, He's a good, good father. 
He's not like us. Sometimes we, we let our childs get by with this and get by with that, and sometimes we, we, we'll be quick to discipline. I'm telling you, he's not going to let us get by with anything. Amen? And then today, listen, this is important. If you're one that can go out and live in sin and do whatever you want to, and you don't ever feel the chastisement of the Lord in your life, well, there's a big chance you're not his child. He says, those I love, I reprove and discipline. You cannot live in open sin and God just sit back and be okay with it. That's impossible. Those he loves, those are his child is what he's referring to. He will reprove. He will discipline. So as you stand to your feet this morning, as always, the most important question this morning is this. Have you ever truly been born again? I mentioned... Uh, to me, one of the greatest and most important truths as a believer a while ago, we call it often the security of the believers. And so today, do you know that you know that you've been saved, that you're really, truly going to heaven? And once again, I say this often, but I'm not asking if you're a member of this church or some other church, as important as that might be. I'm not asking if you've been baptized, as important as that is. I'm asking more importantly, are you a child of God? Have you come to the place in your life where you have recognized that you are a sinner and because of that sin you've been separated from God and you deserve punishment and that punishment is hell and separation from God for all eternity? Have you ever realized that and then you've done something about it? Not try harder, not do better, but you went to Jesus and you put your faith and trust in Him, the one who knew no sin, who became sin on our behalf is what the Bible says. The one who demonstrated his love towards us yet while we were sinners, he died for us. Do you believe that tell you that Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, being born of a virgin, who never sinned, never messed up, do you believe that today went and died in your place? Paid for your penalty and sin, took on the punishment for your sin. Do you believe that today? Do you really believe that? You put your faith in that fact, and have you really let him become Lord? Because see, a lot of times we stop right there, isn't it? We believe, we believe, we believe, we trust the Lord. Man, we, we acknowledge the fact that He was the Son of God. We acknowledge He was sinless. We acknowledge He died. We acknowledge He was raised on the third day. But we need to take it to the last most important step and really let Him become Lord. Lordship is such a mistruth of our day, isn't it? Everybody wants Him as Savior, but do we have Him as Lord? Amen? Savior and Lord. Do you? Can you say that with confidence today? And then second of all today, the question for everyone that can say, I know that I'm a child of God. I know I'm saved. The question for us is this. Are we on fire for Jesus today? And listen, don't try to start thinking about, well, I know so-and-so's on fire. That looks like this. And I know so-and-so's on fire for the Lord. And they look like that. I'm not asking you. In fact, the Bible says it's, it's foolish to compare yourself to others. I'm telling you to line yourself up with the Word of God and Jesus and say, am I on fire for the Lord or am I lukewarm? And we know today that if we're lukewarm, it's probably not a secret. You know it. We need to do something about it. We need to do what He said. And what did He say in the last part of verse 19? Repent. Amen? We need to repent.